0: In December 2014, an Aussie guy by the name of Stuart Cleary set out from Gold Coast in his sea kayak in a 15,000-kilometer attempt to become the first person to paddle solo and unassisted to New Zealand. But 12 hours into his paddle, he rings up his wife to tell her that he's taking on water and that he's going to have to abandon the trip. Uh, The New South Wales Water Police rescued him about 40 nautical miles off Coffs Harbour. And when I read that, I thought, what on earth was he thinking? Didn't he test that thing out before he left? Uh, Imagine what it would have been like if instead of, 12 hours into his journey, he was sort of like 3,000 kilometers, two months into his journey uh, when he sunk. What would have happened then? And I thought preparation is absolute everything in a journey like that, but also it's absolute everything in life. The only reason that uh, I was alerted to this story was that. Last Wednesday, his kayak, after being partially submerged for eighteen months, washed up on Auckland's Muriwai Beach. It made the fifteen thousand kilometre journey without him. <laughs> Year and a half. <laughs> but the reality is, preparation, preparation, preparation is everything. Uh, We're in a battle. Preparation is everything. And in most cases, it's the difference between living life defeated or breaking through into a new place in God and in life. And this is really um, illustrated well by a story in 2 Kings chapter 3. And so we're going to turn there, if you've got your Bibles with it, turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. But basically, the background, um, Moab has basically rebelled against Israel. And Moab, whenever you read of Moab in the Bible, Moab is a type of the flesh. The tribe of Moab was created through the incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters, And so whenever Moab comes up, it's always been a thorn in Israel's side, and it sort of typifies our battle with the flesh. Uh, They've rebelled against Israel, and so Jehoshaphat uh, and the king of uh, Edom um, help Joram, king of Israel, uh, with the three armies combined to attack Moab. However, seven days into their journey, they run out of water. And they're tired, they're thirsty, they're vulnerable, and the first thing that the ungodly king of Israel does is he blames God. And I mean, that's pretty typical. Uh, Most people blame God when things don't go right. Isn't that true? How many people have blamed God when things are going, you know, come on, be honest. Be honest, you guys. That's a common reaction when things go wrong. So we're going to pick it up when God is being blamed by Joram uh, rather than him blaming their own lack of preparation for their condition. So 2 Kings 3 verse 10. And uh, Joram says, What exclaimed the king of Israel? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom Went down to him. Elijah said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. And by the way, the the um, prophets of his father, the prophets of his mother were um, the ones that got killed by Elijah on Mount Carmel. All right? So Elijah's having a real dig at this guy because of his, un- his ungodly heritage. And uh, so, no, the king of Israel answered. Because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. And Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. And while the harpist is playing, the hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha. And he said, This is what the Lord says Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says you will neither see wind or rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. And that's exactly what happened. They dig the ditches, and the next day, all the ditches are miraculously filled with water. And not only are the armies and the animals refreshed, but the reflection of the water Uh, causes the the Moabites uh, to be utterly confused and it leads to their defeat. So 2 Kings 3.20, it says the next morning about this time, for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing in the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. And in verse 24, But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up, fought them until they fled, and the Israelites invaded the land, And slaughtered the Moabites. What an amazing miracle. Out of nowhere, water fills the ditches, the trenches that the Israelites had dug. It's interesting, though, that the only reason that Israel got the miracle was because they had an association with the godly king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. Otherwise, Elijah wouldn't have even bothered talking to them. And when I was reading that, I was just reminded how over the years, I've found that God loves doing miracles for ungodly people because he wants to show them that he's real and that he loves them. So I just really want to, just as an aside, I just want to encourage you guys to pray, 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 take every opportunity to pray for people in your sphere of influence and see what God will do, because he loves answering prayers for the ungodly. So the armies had run out of water. They were tired. They were vulnerable. And while Joram blames God, Jehoshaphat wanted to get a word from God. So he seeks out the prophet of God, who in the Old Testament was the carrier of the word of God. Every one of us face situations where we need to break through. Some of us need a breakthrough with our health. Some of us need a breakthrough with our finances. Some of us need a breakthrough in our relationships with our families. But I guarantee that every one of us here, whether it's with your relationship with God or your relationship with others, every one of us needs a breakthrough in some area or another. When Jehoshaphat faced a problem, his first response was to try to hear what God wanted him to do. And I reckon the first step in achieving breakthrough in your life is always to seek the Lord and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, to be led by the Spirit of God We need to be able to hear what God is saying. Uh, The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Scriptures, through inward impressions in a still, small voice, through the prophetic ministry, through dreams, through visions, through natural happenings, through angelic visitations, through the audible voice of God. God is speaking to His people all the time. The problem is that often we just don't stop to listen. Psalm 81 verse 13 says, If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? I think what that verse is saying is, if you just stop and listen to God, if you start following his ways, then he's going to work on your behalf. If you're not listening to what he's saying, then. You're going to miss out. And for me, my biggest hindrance to hearing what God is actually saying is to stop and spend time being still so I can listen. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That doesn't mean you need to spend hour upon hour upon hour every day just being still. But what it does mean is that on a regular basis, you need to just stop. You just need to pause. You just need to acknowledge that God is with you. In the middle of your busy schedule, take time just to acknowledge His presence with us. Because no matter where we are, He's right here with us because He says He's never leave us nor forsake us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And he's wanting to communicate with us all the time if we would just stop and listen. It doesn't matter whether we're on the farm, whether we're in the shop, whether we're out on the building site, whether we're at home looking after the kids. God's with us. And he wants to speak to us if we'd only stop and listen. Have you ever noticed how in a crowded room, a mother can hear the cry of her baby. There's something about that, isn't there? A mum just knows that sound. A mum knows the sound of her child, it doesn't matter what's going on round about, a mum knows the sound of that child. That's the tuning that God wants us to have in our lives. So even as things are going on all around us, he wants our ears to be tuned so that we can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. So Jehoshaphat goes to Elijah, and Elijah prepares to hear from God. He says, now bring me a harpist. And it's interesting, while Elijah, I just picture Elijah just stilling himself, being in that place of worship as the harpist is playing. The harpist isn't rocking out a heavy metal sound. It's more soaking music, I would think. And uh, it's just in that quiet, quiet place that Elisha hears the word of God. And he says, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Dig ditches. It doesn't really make sense dig ditches. I don't know if any of you have been ditch diggers. Uh, We had a three-quarter acre section down on Hamilton, uh, the first house that Penny and I owned, and uh, I needed to get rid of a little bit of water that was around the place, so we dug this ring ditch all the way around. And I didn't do it by hand, but I did have a machine, and in those days it was a machine that you pushed along Uh, And they dug dish, and I was really, really proud of this ditch, which was about this wide and about this deep, and I know it was this deep, because little Peter um, was sitting at the ditch one time, and he just toppled over, did a somersault, and landed on his nappies in the base of the ditch. But ditches, they're always hard work uh, when you're digging them, and... uh, when God says, dig ditches, it didn't make sense. But the reality is, when you dig ditches that God has told you to dig, even when it doesn't make sense, God will fill them. God doesn't always make sense. But we aren't supposed to understand him. He's God. I mean, how, how can we understand him? Uh, he's, he's the one who created the universe. He's the one who just spoke the word. And everything came into existence. Uh, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, which means, hey, we're not supposed to understand everything about him, but we are required to trust him and be obedient to his word. It's one thing to hear from God. It's another thing to be obedient and do something about it. Some of you will know that every Wednesday morning, I meet with a group of ministers, and we've been meeting for, I think, the last 14 or 15 years. And we pray for one another. Uh, We pray for the city. And we pray for the nation. We pray for revival. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying with the ministers. And I really felt strongly the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to me. And he prompted me to ask the guys this question. If God was to answer even half of our prayers, would we be ready to receive what God, what we're asking God to give us? Would we be able to handle the influx of souls? I said, it's no good us asking for revival if we haven't dug the ditches of preparation and got, for instance, a new Christian and a new discipleship program sorted out. And most of the guys that I was praying with had to admit that if God even answered 10% of their prayers, they wouldn't be able to handle it because they hadn't done the preparation first. You know, God isn't going to do what we can do. God is going to do what we can't do. But he doesn't want to see his harvest wasted. So if we're as a church praying for revival, if we as a church are praying for souls, then we need to do what we can do so that God can do what he can do. Does that make sense? A real key to achieving breakthrough is not only to seek the Lord and be led by the Spirit, but to believe and act upon prophetic words. How many people here have received a prophetic word in years gone by that you haven't seen answered yet? Me included. I've got a couple of them that I haven't seen answered yet. God told the kings to dig ditches, and they did. In the next chapter, in 2 Kings chapter 4, You find a woman who is facing a crisis because her husband was dead. She had no money. She was about to lose all her children. They were going to be sold as slaves. She's told by the prophet Elijah to go borrow empty jars from all her neighbors. In obedience, she does this, and God fills them. In the next chapter, in chapter 5, you find that the captain of the Syrian army who had leprosy his name was Nabon was told to dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'd be healed. And his first reaction was, what's this guy telling me to dip in that dirty stream for? We've got better streams, clearer streams, nicer streams back where I come from. Why should I dip in the River Jordan? And the little servant girl said, Master, she said, if the prophet told you to do something hard... Wouldn't you have done it? And now, just because he's telling you to do something simple, why wouldn't you do it? So he does. He goes and he dips seven times in the River Jordan. And after the seventh time, he's healed. He gets his miracle. I think the pattern in all these is we need to hear the word of God. We need to receive the word. We need to believe the word and we need to be obedient to the word. And I'm here standing before you this morning because I heard a word from God. I received it. I believed it. And I was obedient to it. 1987 in Hamilton. I was at a Black Power funeral. When God spoke to me and said, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? Now I could have just left that. But I didn't. I knew this was God. So I prayed into it. I knew it was God. I talked to Penny. I talked to my pastor. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to become a preacher, I can't be a dairy company executive at the same time. So in faith, I resigned my position with New Zealand Dairy And God just did a whole string of miracles to position me exactly where he wanted me to be positioned. I never expected to become a pastor before that word came to me. But in looking back, I had been digging ditches in the Spirit for years. One of those ditches was regularly reading and studying the Word of God every day. Every day, I would read God's word, and God filled the ditch that I was digging with favor. He filled it with insight. His hand was upon me. Joshua was a man anointed for conquest. He was called to take Israel into the promised land and defeat God's enemies. There are a number of significant prophetic words given to Joshua on the eve of that conquest. He was told seven times. To be strong and courageous. But also, in Joshua 1 verse 8, we read that he's told, Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's such a fantastic word. That's such a great word. If we would read God's word, if we would meditate on God's word, if we believe God's word, if we'd speak it out and live out God's word, God promises that he will give us success. If you're not successful in life, have a look at that verse and say, is that what I'm doing? Am I digging the ditch of reading God's word? Are Am I meditating on God's Word? Am I studying God's Word? Am I actually speaking God's Word out? Am I living God's Word or am I living my own way? We don't have to understand why that is true. But as we do it, as we dig the trench of reading, believing, Living out the word of God, we create a place for God to move. Also, every day, I dug probably the hardest but most rewarding of all preparations, and that was faith-filled, persevering prayer. Luke 18, Jesus tells us the parable of what he calls the pers- persistent widow it says this in verse one it says then jesus told his disciple a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up not very many parables does jesus tell us the reason for the parable before they start but this one he does he says this parable is to show you that you should always pray and not give up And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith or will he find this kind of faith on the earth? God isn't like the unjust judge. God is loving. He's kind. He loves justice. But what Jesus is saying is, Hey, even if an unjust judge will give in after being harangued for weeks and weeks on end, how much more is God going to answer our persistent prayer? And he's looking He's looking, he says, for faith filled people who won't give up but will pray and keep on praying. And to me, that suggests that there will be times in our lives when we'll pray and the answer won't come straight away. Sometimes, When we pray, it just happens all at once. Sometimes when I'm praying for healing, sometimes when I'm praying for an answer, sometimes when I'm praying for wisdom, it just comes straight away. But there will be other times where I don't get the answer straight away. It takes faith to pray and keep on praying, but persistent prayer always produces breakthroughs. We have to learn to pray and keep on praying till we see the results. It's a ditch that God will always fill. You know, in James chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, The testing of your faith develops perseverance. How's your faith tested? Well, it starts off by saying, Count it all joy, my brother, when you have trials of various kinds. I hate that verse. I don't want trials. I want everything to be smooth. I want everything to be fantastic. I don't want problems in my life. But it says, hey, count it all joy. Because when you have trials, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to be mature, if you want to grow up in the things of God, if you want to be complete then you have to go through trials. There is no way you are going to be mature and complete unless you have gone through situations and circumstances that will develop your faith. When you persevere and dig a trench, you give God the opportunity to fulfill it. I read a little while back about a Christian musician and composer who was at a low point in his life. His money was gone. His creditors had seized his belongings. He was facing the threat of debtor's prison. The stress in his life literally paralyzed him. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. He couldn't feel anything on his right side. And for a brief time, he said he considered giving in and giving up. But praying, he decided to try one more time and returning to what he knew best, writing music, in the midst of despair, he sat down to write again. George Frederick Handel wrote The Messiah, an oratorio considered to be the greatest piece of sacred music ever written but it was written at perhaps the lowest point in his life he tried one more time he dug a ditch and God filled it and the world has been blessed by an amazing piece of music I have that on my cell phone. I have that on my iPad. If you want to be stirred up, listen to one part of that oratorio. The hallelujah chorus. And just be lifted. Just be just be lifted up by the presence of God through that music. When you persevere and dig a trench, you give God the opportunity to fill it. Jacob said of God, I won't let you go till you bless me. The disciples prayed in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. If Naaman hadn't dipped seven times in the river, he wouldn't have got his miracle. Seven times Elijah prayed for God to break the drought that was over the land before he saw a small cloud on the horizon. Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days. Before the angel Gabriel finally broke through after the battle in the heavenly. And so It's interesting. When you, when you read that account, it tells us that God heard Daniel the very first day. But the answer took 21 days to come. Because the enemy was opposing it the whole time. The woman with the issue of blood had been bleeding for 12 years. But she said, if I can just touch Jesus, maybe I'll be healed. And after 12 years of looking for all sorts of remedies, one touch from Jesus, and she's completely healed. William Carey labored and prayed for seven years before he baptized his first convert in India. Seven years William Carey is probably known as the father of modern missions. Seven years, most missionary societies would have ditched him by then. No results in six years. Bring him home. Not worth, not worth it. But after seven years, he saw his first convert, and that started a landslide. Judson was seven years in Burma before a breakthrough. Moffat prayed in persevered for seven years before the Holy Spirit moved in Africa. George Mueller, he prayed for four of his friends every day of his life till he got saved, till they got saved. One friend got saved within the first six months. Second friend from memory took about a year. third, third friend was a little bit more stubborn. I don't think he got saved for a couple of years, but the fourth friend. George Mueller prayed every day for 56 years for that friend's salvation. George Mueller died. He never saw the results of that. But at George Mueller's funeral, that friend got saved. Every year. Every year. Hebrews 10. Let's have the musicians. Hebrews 10, verse 35, 36. Don't throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Keep pressing on and dig a ditch that God can fill. Amen? Amen. This morning, I just have that expectation that God wants to break through in people's lives. You may have been coming up on older calls for healing for years after years after years. And for some reason or another, you haven't received a breakthrough. I want to encourage you to keep on coming. Keep on praying. Keep digging that ditch. You might have been praying for loved ones who are not yet saved. I want to encourage you to come up Join with one of the ministry team and pray this morning because God loves filling ditches that we dig for Him. You may need a breakthrough in your place of work. Why not today? You may need a breakthrough in relationships. Is anything too difficult for God? He's just waiting for us to come to Him, to dig that ditch so that He can fill it. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's have the ministry team come forward. And if you need a breakthrough this morning, why don't you come? Why don't you come just one more time and see what God will do? Why don't you come expecting that the God of the universe Sees exactly where you are. He knows your situation, your circumstances. And He can break through in areas that you can't break through in. But you've got to do your bit. You've got to give Him the opportunity. You've got to dig that ditch if you're expecting Him to fill it. And this morning, you might be here, and you might never, ever have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ the first step in getting on track with God is coming to him and saying, God, I want to know you. I want you to come into my life. I want to experience your peace, which passes all understanding. I want you to forgive me for all the dumb stuff I've done in my life. The biggest is leaving you out. God, come into my life. If that's you this morning and you would like to invite God to come in, why don't you come up as other people come to get prayed for and just say to one of the ministry team at the front, I want to know God. They'll pray for you. I remember the day that I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. It was like suddenly all the lights were turned on. It's like things that I'd heard of when I was a kid suddenly made sense because God came in and made the difference. If you need prayer this morning, why don't you come right now? We're just going to sing. Open the heavens wide and we're just going to ask God just to come and touch and begin to heal and begin to restore and to break through in situations and circumstances. Let's see what God will do.